So you join me for our Flight Sim special uh, show this week and uh, managed to get uh, someone from, from not just down the road or literally across the village, but from quite a while away. Welcome, uh, Evan, onto the uh, show. It's nice to see you in, uh, in person rather than in the chat room. That is true. It's nice to see you too. Hello, everyone. <laughs> So Evan, we're uh, we're getting together because we're going to have a chat and a discussion about flight sim. And obviously, you um you are a pilot yourself and uh, uh, an avid user of flight sims. So we're going to kick things off uh, with uh, well, we're going to ask the question that well, which uh, platform do you use yourself, Evan? Well, I, I, I'm a weird one. I have a foot in both camps. I have I'm an X Plane 12 user, and I recently bought Flight Sim 2020. So uh, I've both <laughs> and I use them for different reasons so um, one of the reasons why I got back into simming after just like um, uh, being a fun simmer when I was younger uh, is actually to maintain IFR currency in my real flying and X-Plane was really my choice for that so I use that for for doing approaches doing IFR in bad weather all that sort of stuff and I recently bought Flight Sim 2020 when it was on special during, I think it was um, uh, over Easter. It was on super special and I thought, here's my chance. And I was actually really impressed at how it worked on my system, which is not a very high-end system at all. It's a very mid-tier system and it looks gorgeous. So for VFR flying and scenic stuff and just to make cool screenshots, um, I use it for that and actually kind of like it. Question is, Evan, did you, um, there's obviously different grades, isn't there, of Microsoft Flight Sim 2020. There's, uh, I think there's three packages yep. that you can get on that. Did you opt for the the top? I top did, draw? yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, only because I, I fly, I'm lucky enough to have access to, rent Cirruses in real life so I wanted to use like check out the uh, the Cirruses um, or the, the the Cirrus in flight sim 2020 and you can only get that in the top tier so when it was discounted I thought here's my chance so um, and look it, it's a lovely lovely looking aircraft and it, it works it ticks all the boxes it's not the most realistic so I was a little bit unimpressed by that but if you didn't know like them intimately you'd probably think it's pretty good but um uh, i have been also flying the g1000 172 and some other planes just for fun and they're pretty true to life so it, your mileage may vary yeah i'm 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 an x-plane 11 heavy x-plane 11 user um Last sort of few months, got into X-Plane 12 after downloading that. And I I love X-Plane 11. X-Plane 11 has been fantastic, you know, and the software add-ons you can get, which we'll talk about later, uh, are really good. But X-Plane 11 has been pretty much faultless, really, to be fair, in all the times yep. I've used it. And with the hardware that I've got, again, we'll have a chat about the hardware and stuff later. But with the hardware that I use, it works really well with, with that. And... The X-Plane 12, when it was announced, I was excited. I thought, yes, we're getting an upgrade. It's, you know, it's a bit like you're going to be like fat, absolutely faultless. Um, and they obviously released X-Plane a little bit too early in my eyes. I think they released it too soon. 
um but it's it's good the the scenery is is better i wouldn't say it's perfect it is um and obviously you can get the software add-ons and stuff for those to, to improve certain areas of the of the globe but in all things it it, it was an improvement definite improvement um but I did find myself, um, I know Stuart Asler, who who was uh, hopefully going to join us today, but he can't make it, unfortunately. Stuart has said that, you know, he found himself reverting back to X-Plane 11 um, to use that um, yep. with with the A320 that he, he uses to fly on that. Mm-hmm. But I am looking at changing to Microsoft Flight Sim soon, hopefully, to give it a try. I'm going to do a few test runs with some of the equipment I've got here first on someone else's home sim to see that they all work. But yeah, I think price point wise, Microsoft um, have come in around the right area price wise and having that three package that you can have, obviously, which I'm I'm fairly sure that I reckon if you looked in, looked at Microsoft's um, sales, it would be surprised if many people opted for the, the, the basic stock pack and didn't go for the the full in you know all in oh, kind of package absolutely. but but um yeah i think um the scenery wise i mean looking now at the kind of scenery that that microsoft flight sim offers how would you compare that to to like explain 11 or explain 12 well explain 11 wasn't fantastic it was generated to be similar to real life uh, X-Plane 12 did improve on that. They put a lot more information from sources like um, uh, OpenStreetMap and stuff like that. So it was an improvement. Um, and the trees were better and things like that. But it's still not perfect. Um, the uh, experience in Flight Sim 2020 um, is a lot better because the... I, I guess the, the textures and stuff on the ground uh, is more closer to what you'd see from the air, at least, especially from sort of middle altitudes. Not If you're up in the flight levels, everything kind of looks the same. But middle altitudes where I live, you know, um, 4,000 to, say, 10,000 feet above the ground, um, it, it looks pretty convincing to me, Um and they've done really well with the way the weather looks and stuff like that. So it's a very visually stunning uh, platform. Um, but I think the there's a lot more new aircraft that have been developed by third parties that um, are now nudging the, the fidelity up to pretty close to, you know, the real thing. Like um, there's 737 sims and stuff that are... Yeah, really impressive. And I see a lot of streamers using those now. Yeah, there's a lot of um, people on YouTube, isn't there, have uh, Mm -hmm. live channels using the um, add-ons, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, it's uh, I I was pleasantly surprised by how well um, Flight Sim 2020 was able to run on on my machine um, because I thought that it was going to be an absolute monster and it would not be able to run very nicely. So um, um, kudos to the, the Asobo team for, you know, making it quite pretty. And even on, because um, I think it automatically just put my settings into the middle, it it made them, it looks quite stunning, even at that level. Obviously, 
we, we, you know, I'm in the UK here. You're over in Australia. How how are the um, scenery, or how how is the scenery with Microsoft, especially? How does that look when you compare it to the air, airfields that you fly from in Australia? Uh, they're a little bit behind the the airfield that I work at and fly from, uh, Moorabbin in in Melbourne, um, has had a lot of buildings built around it. They've sold off a lot of the adjacent um, land for commercial use. So there's a lot of warehouses and things that aren't present. Um, one thing that did pop up in X-Plane 12 that wasn't really in X-Plane 11 was the golf courses. There's several golf courses around, and actually that helps a lot to orient you when you're in the circuit and stuff like that because you know <laughs> what to look for um, out and about. Um, but they're certainly not perfectly up to date in terms of the airfield's progress. Um, they're a little bit behind. But um, as a general rule, they're, they're pretty good. Um, even the country airfields, um, I don't know what they're using to generate them, but they're, they're convincing. <laughs> so. so given um, the two platforms, X-Plane 11, 12, depending on which one you use the most now, and Microsoft Flight Sim. What, in your eyes, Evan, given that choice now to stick with a platform and use it all the time, I'm guessing you're going to say Microsoft Flight Sim. Uh, I'm going to use both. <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends on, because uh, I, ha I have got both loaded, and it depends on how I'm feeling and what I want to get out of that, that flight. Um, if I really want to get serious and do... Uh, approach you know practice and bad weather stuff and come you know a arrive just at minimums and all the pressure that that comes with that i'll i'll actually use x-plane because the uh the add-ons that i've been able to get for that are very close to the real mm. aircraft that i fly i can't get that in flight sim 2020 at the moment um so for me yeah for that reason i'll keep going with x-plane 12 and i know that there's some um it, more improvements coming with the the weather and the, the cloud formations and stuff like that so i'm keen to see what they do with that yeah well i, I like i said i i'm x-plane 11 12 user mainly x-plane 11 to be fair um and like i said i will i am hopefully going to transition on to, to Microsoft Flight Sim, fingers crossed, as long as all this hardware works behind me on it, if I try it out. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll we'll see. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the enhanced visuals with Microsoft mm -hmm. Flight Sim that you get with that, with the airports, because I think, obviously, with X-Plane 11, X-Plane 12, you kind of, especially with X-Plane 11, you, you had to kind of buy the airport software add-ons to enhance the airports and stuff. And I think with with Microsoft Flight Sim, which I, what I've seen, that the the big um, regional, the big airports in and around the world are pretty much as they are in real life. I know Heathrow definitely does look very much like Heathrow T5 yep. Um, yep. on Microsoft Flight Sim. And you can have that realism with a software add-on with, with X-Plane, but... Um, yeah, I sh I shall um, I shall look forward to it. I tell you, I really will look forward to it. One of the mm. things I was going to ask actually, Evan, was um, is one of the things that I found which I experimented with when I 
um, install X-Plane 12 was I was installing the the uh, program onto my internal hard drive inside my PC. As you've mm-hmm. as yourself, you've got a tower PC that you use. One thing I found and researched and, and done a bit of info online and stuff about was a lot of people said that if you um, purchase uh, an SSD drive, you know, a high-speed solid-state drive, and installed purely just a pro- the actual uh, program on there and ran from that, that it, w- it would improve the speed and the stability of the program. And this I brought here, a little, it's a little Samsung um, one terabyte wow. SSD drive. It's tiny. It's literally probably the size of a credit card, slightly thicker. Mm-hmm. I installed X-Plane 12 on this, the entire program. And it, it, it runs a lot better, a lot quicker, and it it boots up a lot quicker from the start as well. I found. I don't know whether you've experienced the same. Whether you installed yours on a on an SSD drive or a standard um, hard drive. Yeah, well, I was previously using um, Xplane Eleven on a laptop, and that had a a, um, a moving drive, an old old school spinning one. Old school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but since I built the sim pc uh specifically for flying um i only have a an m.2 drive um and that seems to be much quicker in in every regard so yeah even though uh it was only slightly more expensive to get a a solid state drive it was definitely worth it yeah the price of these has definitely come down in the last Mm. kind of two or three years of solid state drives Especially the small ones like this have come down quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got. I bought. I bought a, a drive um, just big enough to have a, you know, the the two sims with all the things selected, um, and I don't use the PC for much else. So, yeah, um, I didn't need to buy a ginormous one. Hard drive, yeah. So. We're going to move on to uh, our thoughts on the issues that both platforms have had. Um, obviously, all you know, software stuff like this has a issue when they relay. Normally, release some beta versions first, and then release the full versions, like X Plane Twelve did. We'll talk about the the scary one first. X Plane Twelve, obviously. It was a big announcement when they said that they were going to release this for everyone. I think everyone rushed out and um, and brought, I think it was 70 or 80 pounds, I think, in, in UK sterling yep. for the program, which I went out and got. And since then, it's been a, a, a catalogue of up, you know, um, um, enhancement upgrades, you know, updates. It's been nonstop with X Plane Twelve to the point where they're, they're, I think the forum site was crashed at one point because so many people were complaining about um, the, the the constant stuff that wasn't right, and a lot of it centered around clouds. Funnily enough, and I know for you, Evan, because you you know you do uh, IFR flying as well. You know, to have a, a degree of realism when it is when you're flying in clouds is quite nice, but. Obviously, not being an, a Microsoft Flight Sim person myself yet, it, has there been that kind of issue with with that platform? Uh, it hasn't been without its issues, and um, I think uh, the the clouds in Microsoft Flight Simulator have been a little bit more uh, not not realistic, but they've they they've looked prettier from the get go. 
whereas um, the X-plane clouds have gone through various forms where they've tweaked the the algorithm that creates them and and spreads them out and all that sort of stuff and it has um, it has improved and sometimes they've tweaked it too much and it's gone a little backwards and stuff so but I was one of those people that went out and got the beta from day one um, I, I watched the flight sim expo um, lecture and then just waited until <laughs> I could have a go um, but Largely, I I think it's been you know on the improve the entire time, and I I see that they're coming at the same problem from a totally different angle, and to come back to um, first um, first principles of physics and stuff that's not easy stuff that they're doing, they're not they're not taking the easy route, um, hmm. so so I. I <laughs> I give them, um, you know, I tip my hat for for, for doing it. Um, but uh, I think what I wanted to get out of it was the most realistic um, flight feeling. Um, it didn't have to look exactly like, you know, the real world. Because most of the time I would set, you know, average weather and then fly in the clouds. And, um, but... Um, since I've been connecting the flight sim up to uh, online air traffic systems like VATSIM, they uh, sort of want you to use real world weather. So it's been interesting to see how the two sims um, actually take, pull in the data from, and then make it in the sim. So um, sometimes the weather in Melbourne is a little different in um, X-Plane versus um, Flights in 2020 because I think they, they pull the, the data from different sort of sources and mix it together differently. Um, so I have been a little disappointed sometimes because there's not as many data points that they can pull from in Australia. Um, in America, there's millions of METARs or METARs as they would say. Um, Whereas there's only two nearby me that the sim has access to. Um, and that means that it's, it's sort of making it up um, from sort of um, only a little bit of information, whereas there's heaps of information in the States. So, that, yeah, that is one downside. But, I'm trying um, to think which, uh, the, I'm trying to think which weather service that um, X-Plane uses now for its real-world weather is on tip my I, tongue. Met, um, met something um yeah the, there's a um, there's a weather service that they use for the real world weather and i can't the remember NOAA, the noaa i think they they're normally they're, actually x-plane is normally fairly fairly close to what it is actually here in the, mm -hmm. you know if i if i choose to fly from norwich and i know because we're only about 20 minutes away from there and it's overcast if it's overcast here it's going to be overcast there and it generally tends to pick up on that overcast and the because we can obviously as you do yourself look at the the weather reports from the specific airfields you can see where the where the level of cloud cover is and pretty much 10 times out of 10 it's spot on it you know yeah. it, it puts the cloud cover exactly at the same height it would be if you were flying from norwich airport here so yeah. it is good in that regard where it does struggle in in um, uh, uh, 
uh, X-plane land is uh, fronts when they're coming through. Yeah. Um, they can, uh, whereas I've actually been pleasantly surprised with flights in 2020, it seems to have, I don't know, it looks, looks at where fronts are maybe visually from um, satellite data. And it seems to depict um, cold fronts and things like that a little more realistically. So whatever they're doing in that regard is pretty, pretty good. So on a, on a realism level, we talked about weather, um, obviously yourself being a, a well-versed pilot of uh, various aircraft, the, the different aircraft that you can get on the stock versions of both platforms and stuff, would you say realism wise, obviously, cause I've, I've used this to be fair, I've used a seven, three more and I have the, the Cessna 150 or the 172, which is, <laughs> is, I should be really starting small and ending big, but, um, for yourself, obviously you fly the Cirrus, yep. um, how for you, how close or how good are they between the real life and the sim? Um, neither of them. Neither platforms have it perfect. Um, I was a little bit disappointed in the Microsoft Flight Simulator one. That is seems to be a little bit half-baked. Um, I know that they've got other aircraft and stuff, so can't expect everything to be perfect. Um, it's a melding of a couple of different ages of Cirruses, which in my mind, because I'm a, a mechanic, I, I work on them every day. So I know all of the, the different generations and stuff. And it's got the interior from one generation and the exterior <laughs> from another generation, the undercarriage from a different, you know, so yeah, that, that, that sort of um, pulls me out of the, the simul, like the, the realism um, a little bit, but it, it, it does work. Um, the G1000 in the flight sim um, version um, that is missing a few features that, that the G1000 in the real life does, but look, um, it has all of the basics. You can, fly you can do um, ifr stuff it just doesn't have all of the sort of specialist features in ifr um but the in x plane the the sr22 is is pretty good um it's it's a little newer in its uh it's they're trying to model the g6 which is the the latest edition um but I actually, I, I don't fly the latest ones. I, I, I fly a generation <laughs> three with Avidyne avionics. And for that, I actually found um, a, a product by TorqueSim. And they make uh, SR20, SR22s, both in the G1000, but also in the Avidyne system. So they've modeled those really impressively well. So shout out to those guys because they're, they've, they're really keen to uh, dial it in and make it real. So if you find something that's a bit out of ordinary, you can, uh, here it is in real life. Here you go, guys. And they'll make it happen in their model of the aircraft. So they're, mm. they're really good like that. And that's been really good because I've practiced heaps of stuff that I um, was okay with during my training for IFR, but um, cementing it, doing it over and over again in the sim has just made it so much better. Yeah. One of the things I found when I, when I started using X-Plane was the original X-Plane 11 was that um, 
you know, I I tr- I done pretty much all my training in a, in a 1967 Cessna 152, um, which was as basic as you could possibly get. And I I know that the the one the 150 or the 150 152 on X plane was mm-hmm. kind of a a lot newer version, a very oh okay, yeah, <laughs> a, yeah. a very upgraded version of the 150. Yep. The, you know, the, the most of the stuff was the same. A lot of the the instruments, controls, and stuff were the same. But there are a few bits that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a first idea what what I'm doing with because it wasn't there when I when I was training. So I did kind of think it would it was it would have been nice if they would have done possibly like a an original mm. kind of old school uh, one fifty, and even to <laughs> and even to have the instrument panel shaking and vibrating when you're your taxi will be quite good as well but but on the whole it it, it you know they, they done they done well with that and as we we're yeah. just saying you know in my my view on on the 7.3 was that they x-plane done a really good job with the stock version of the 7.3 on on x-plane and then obviously the zebo guys came along and brought their own um version of the 737 yeah on which was enhanced had more op, uh, functionality with a lot of the switches that didn't do anything on on the stock yep. version um and looked looked really looked really good now we have got a guest joining us bear with me i'm going to bring uh our fellow co-host on to the uh onto the show he's just joined us it's very early over in uh, over in the us but i can confirm armando has joined us hello Good morning, guys. How are you? <laughs> yeah, Very good. We're uh, we're in full flow. We're in full flow, Armando. Chatting. We're just talking about the um, how accurate the uh, the the flight sims are, as in the aircraft types are on both platforms. In in um, you know, in regards to the real world, um, Evans talking about the SR twenty two because he he flies SR twenty two, but yeah, that's my main. But he was. Evan was just saying that um, you know it, it's nearly there, but some aspects are different to to real world. And I think you've said I'm under before that you, the uh, some of the aircraft that you fly and are you you're used to are different slightly with the with the sim platforms. Yeah, exactly. And that, and I couldn't agree more. One of the reasons, um, and I'll get into you know we'll kind of do this backwards where I'll talk a little bit about my experience with flight simulators, but. Um, I've been there since the beginning, right? Since the original Chicago MIGS days on Microsoft Flight Simulator um, with the, uh, uh, you, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? The All the angular graphics, because they like 16-bit graphics, because they couldn't do it any other way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've used simulators for learning new airplanes and then keeping up proficiency. Um, and I, 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 I agree perfectly with they're all almost there in that um for example i fly the pilatus uh quite a bit and over the years they've done some really great um versions of the caronado did a, a really great version probably the most popular one of the uh of the pilatus pc12 but like there's always something that's just a little bit off you know either a autopilot function or um you know, something that like, so for example, now in the Hawker jet, when I transitioned to the jet, I really wanted to get something with a ProLine 21 uh, system in, in Microsoft Flight Simulator or X-Plane 11, just so I can get used to the buttonology of the FMS before going to my initial training. 
And again, everything was just right, like 90% there, except for maybe an accurate VNAV function or an accurate um, direct to function on the box type thing. So yeah, they're all almost always right there. <laughs> so we were chatting earlier, Armando, about our preferred um, platform. Obviously, we most of us started, I think, on X-Plane because it was probably the first one that was... Well, I'll say first one. Microsoft was there as well with the original Microsoft flights in many years ago. But I think over the last few years, especially since lockdown, more and more people have been flying home sims. And X-Plane was my go-to. Um, Evan is a kind of mix between the two. But I think, Armando, I'm right in thinking you're you're kind of, you're, you're an X-Plane aficionado first, but now you're Microsoft flight simming. Well, I, I was on on Microsoft Flight Simulator 10 or X, whatever whatever the actual name is, for years, for as long as it was out, and then I and then I went over to X Plane because I, I thought X Plane 11 was pretty revolutionary um, with the flight modeling and the graphics, um, and then and then shortly after X Plane 12 came out, I went straight to X Plane 12, but then I just couldn't once Microsoft 2020 came out that uh i don't i don't think x-plane can can match it uh, unfortunately so i'm actually in a, a microsoft msfs 2020 now uh. um so but um let me bring this up real quick there is a now this was a survey that was done uh last year so it was, it was 2022 survey and um they went through and and I'd like to talk about some of these these numbers that they actually came up with because it goes into peripherals um virtual reality and then some of the numbers that I picked out of here was how many act, how many real pilots are flight simmers also um but specific to this question in 2022's Navigraph survey um it was 67% uh MSFS 2020 so X-Plane 11 was right around 23% of users and X-Plane 12, right around 19% of users. So uh, at least last year, uh, it was far and away Microsoft 2020. Yeah, and we were, some other... we were talking, I'm, I'm talking, Armando, about, um, just before you came on about the... Um... The realism levels of the like the the scenery like the the weather as well especially the weather um because evan does a lot of ifr flight you know mm -hmm. flying stuff like that and we're saying how obviously with microsoft flight sim when that came out the, the whole big selling point of microsoft flight sim when it came out was was that the scenery and the weather was going to be amazing which it is it does look absolutely fantastic but then with x-plane 12 they, they were gonna they said that they were going to improve obviously the scenery and uh, the weather and stuff and they've kind of been hit and miss with with what they've brought to the table as such i think evan you were saying that um you know there are certain aspects of both platforms which could be enhanced in regards to yeah. weather oh yeah absolutely one thing that both have pretty well that i've noticed is the the winds uh, the real world winds are, are usually pretty darn good is that the same? Would you think, Armando, you'd say that they're both on a level yeah. or slightly? I, I 
No, I do think they're actually really good, especially um, it sounds like Evan and I use it kind of similarly for, for proficiency, you know, yeah. and kind of buttonology, especially the, the uh, Sirius has a perspective system, right? Which is essentially a G1000. Correct. Um, so that, that takes a lot of buttonology. So I, I think, um, I think Evan and I seem to use it for the, really the same purposes. I, no, I'll I just, do, I'll just bug right by him. <laughs> you know, what's funny about that. Let Nothing me come back with to that. that. <laughs> but um the the wins in the sim are great it's uh it's some of the aftermarket flight models for the aircraft on how they respond to the winds that are lacking somewhere uh and and usually i think those are third party aircraft some some of the uh, the native aircraft to the to the platforms also Sometimes, you know, they tweak them, they send the updates, but some of the third-party uh, add-ons sometimes don't really respond well to wind shifts or that's really where you notice where where there's a, you know, a programmed wind layer and then there's a, a shift in wind direction speed programmed above that as you're transitioning between those two. Some of the third-party aircraft flight models will go bananas like you just flew off the niagara falls or something like that um, yeah yeah i find that with the zebo mod on x-plane it uh, was a bit dubious when flying with 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 changing winds the stock version was actually quite good but uh, i thought the z the zebo mod even though it is a great is a fantastic addition to x-plane does have a few little bits a few little niggly bits which um but uh well evan you'll appreciate this so when carlos visited here in uh what was it june may uh june june may May. a couple (laughs) months ago now i actually asked him that question because he's got such a a great sim set i'm sure you guys probably already talked about sim setups but you know he's got this great sim setup and i said oh carlos this is great because i can teach you about uh uh, standard instrument departures. I can tell you about arrival procedures, and let's you know, let's talk numbers. Let's get into the box. Let's talk uh, some performance things into the seven thirty seven that you're always flying. Have you ever flown, you know, a a VNAV arrival into LAX? Because that's ah, you know, fun to me. <laughs> and Carlos, for an entire week, managed to avoid me. And <laughs> we never talked simulators. We never jumped on the simulator on the sim here. Uh, and I've even offered to be like a fake ATC, right? So we'll talk about pilot edge. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. Uh, he successfully avoided me for an entire week on on just not actually learning how a seven thirty seven works. And but you're exactly right, Evan. That's the majority of users are actually just here for fun. And sometimes I, you know, I forget that. I, I will Done. say. I will say. Even though I when I first started, I did. When I, before I had all this the stuff here behind me, and I was just literally using the, old, the original Satec yoke and stuff like that, it was literally just, you know, turn it on, 7-3, um, um, appear at the threshold to 2-7 left on the runway, ready to take off, take off, fly around, land, blah, blah. But I will say that since I invested, or should I say my wife invested heavily on bits and pieces for me, I, I am now... It, what I did do when I when I got this stuff, I printed out the entire um, the seven three ng manual startup manual, and I do now spawn at the gate with nothing. The airplane's cold, and I run through all the start procedures. And I, you know, you, you have to look around the flight decks and turn the pumps on and 
do the engine ignition start all that kind of stuff and i and i i you know i i enjoy that now that's a whole part of i mean it's what a pilot does anyway in the real world so why not do that yourself albeit on the sim yeah yeah and, and there's a lot of learning to be done there i i think you you have a lot of private pilots um as well as a lot of aviation enthusiasts that enjoy flying commercial flying on real aircraft and i think all of us are sitting there you know looking down the aisle uh, seeing what what switches are being flipped over there and we know you know i'm feeling that all three of us would be on an airbus a321 and when it starts going right when the hydraulic pumps are equalizing i think all three of us would probably lean to the person next to us and go it's normal <laughs> right <laughs> like we're those people uh so I think a simulator is a great way to learn more about aircraft, um, you know, or you can go ancient, right? So like, I think it was MF Microsoft 2020 that came out with a DC nine or oh, an yeah. MD 80. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and all of us were trying to figure out how captain Jeff flew this ancient thing. We're like, <laughs> Oh, so that's the celestial navigation port up there. Okay. There's <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, it's great to learn about systems. Um, and just really how airplanes work. So I think we, we'll talk. We'll get. To, we'll talk about the hardware a bit to next, and just sort of go through. Obviously, having a, a home sim is great, and you know. And but uh, we all know that using a, a mouse to control an aircraft is, and, and a keyboard is about as much fun as boiling an egg. So I think most people have spent uh, a ridiculous amount of money on on hardware stuff to go with the with the aircraft evan i know you've you've got your bits and pieces plugged in so you can't just rip them out and um <laughs> and, and show Sorry. us but um um armando what what uh bits have you got for your home sim obviously i've seen them myself but uh what pieces of hardware uh have you got invested yes. in so when when you and i met carlos um <clears throat> i had my sim set up in the basement of my house there in the uk and I, and I started out with just a, a big 55 inch television, um, as most Americans have. <laughs> and, uh, those are, that's a small TV in America, right? 50, 55 inch. And then I, I had the old school, um, CH products, rudder pedals and, um, and throttles. And then I think I had a SciTech yoke. Um, I got, I ended up getting rid of all that and took a break from it as I was working at the airlines. Cause it was one of those situations where I spent a year at an airline and the last thing I wanted to do was come home and, and, and fly. Um, once I left the airline and came back into corporate and not flying as much. So, so uh, top to bottom, I've got a curved monitor. It's a 36 inch curved monitor, um, which does really great with Microsoft 2020. Um, on the right side, I use a honeycomb Bravo throttle quadrant. Uh, what I really like about the, did we send a disclaimer that we're not being, this is not paid advertising by any, any of these people. Um, but I really like the, the honeycomb Bravo throttle quadrant because they can pretty easily switch back and forth between the jet and general aviation. Um, so if I do want to go fly a Cirrus or, or throw some cub controls or maybe switch back and forth between the Pilatus, um, the honeycomb Bravo comes with, um, accessories for, a four engine commercial jet, um, as well as a twin engine turboprop 
or you can go all the way down to a single engine general aviation piston aircraft. And all those levers are actually included in the kit when you buy it and they just pop out and pop back in. But so currently I have the, uh, the honeycomb Bravo, the functionality of the, uh, the mode control panel is pretty limited in Microsoft 2020 right now. I think they're working on some, on some mapping issues. Uh, then I've got a Thrustmaster TCA Boeing yoke. So um, cool. Yeah, it's a pretty big piece of clunky equipment, but I have found that it is actually the most accurate at duplicating the feeling of a yoke that's floor mounted. Um, so if you guys look that up on the internet, it's uh, the way it's built, it kind of hangs off your desk, takes up a lot of real estate on your desk, but then uh, it really does a good job of emulating something that's mounted on the floor as, a, as opposed to most traditional sim yokes, which um, would be more akin to uh, a general aviation aircraft, except for the Cirrus, of course. Um, and then as a backup to the backup, I've got a Thrustmaster um, stick. So that's that's my setup, which is awesome. I have said that 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 uh, Boeing yoke is is so good. I know Stuart O'Neill has just invested in one himself um, at home with the yeah. the the um, the throttle um, add on as well for that that Boeing yoke he's got as well, which is desperate for me to come around and see. But um, yeah, they're not they're not cheap. They're not cheap. They're not cheap. Yeah. And talking of not cheap, <laughs> I have grabbed the stuff from. Uh, the sim cupboard. So most of you who watch the show would have seen the centre pedestal or the uh, throttle quadrant segment here that I got um, a few years back here, which works really well. It's, I mean, it's 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 not motorised because the motorised version is incredibly expensive, um, but everything works. Um, the trim wheels work, all the switches and everything work. Engine cutoff switches. And all the electric, the stab control, you know, cutoff switches, everything work. Speed brake, rudder, and the throttles also has the toga switches on here, and the throttle disconnect as well. And it is literally plug and play. It's it's that easy to set up. There's few companies making these online now. I have noticed that since since we got this one, that there are now a number of companies that are making these online now, and the prices do vary really really quite a lot so it's worth looking in when you're you know looking at getting these but really good bit of kit if you're um flying the 73 um another another good piece of kit as well which i mounted on the i think you've probably all seen the, the original satac ones here before there we go if i'll put it put it there it's probably best isn't it yeah, that uh, Cytec one there, which I think most people have seen those. You can get those cheap enough so on eBay. For for the audio version, he's got the mode control panel on there. That's it, the mode control panel with the gear and uh, the various switches or, or you know, in instrument switches on there as well. And the MCP panel on top, which came from Core Flight Technologies, which um, is, a, again, a plug-and-play one. But like I was saying to Evan earlier, this works brilliantly with the Zebo mod on X-Plane, but doesn't work 100% with the stock version of the 737 on uh, on X-Plane. But with this at night lit up, because all, um, all the panels lit up, backlit, the, the buttons are backlit, and all the um, 
all the the digital displays all work on this and it does look it does look really good but that's another good addition i think is well worth and i know that that stuart wants to try this on his home setup and pedals wise uh, there we go i know evan's got these himself the the satek pedals which are you know stock you know they're 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 okay. They're not too bad. I know, Armando. I think you've got the, you've got the which ones? Have you got the is it the CH ones? You've got. I've got the pro pedals. Yeah, the, the pro pedals. Yeah, which I think are a little bit more, have a bit more realism to them. I think. And then one of the latest additions I got last year was the honeycomb joystick, which is, again, not cheap. It's it's probably one of the more higher end um, control yokes, but has uh, their switches on as well, switch panel on there as well, um, and is a good learner for um, for like flying the Cessna one fifty because you have got all the you have got all the mag switches and stuff on here, so you can fiddle around and and stuff. It's a great little, and it's also that the feedback is great on this i think it's compared to the original satac version that i had when i started this is by far far superior um i don't know if you have any had any experience with those at all evan with the with the honeycomb ones i, I tested them when they first came out um at, at an oshkosh one year and uh, i was really impressed yeah it's it's good you, i mean you can spend you could spend a, a, a huge amount of money on hardware for flight sim. Yep. I've, I've seen online. I mean, you can you can purchase not just the MCP panels. You can purchase like the uh, FMS computer part of it as well. A lot of the, the companies will do those. And I, I see online there's a, also a company that does an entire overhead panel for the 737, which apparently is, again is, is plug and play and is pretty much 100% functional, you know, on, on the sim. Given, I suppose, a, a question is given the, the money is no object um, uh, answer. Armando, I'm guessing you'd probably sort of convert a whole room into a, a fixed base sim at home if you had the choice. Uh, chance. I mean, if money was no object, <laughs> sure. Um, I, you know, it's interesting to me that the 737 is such a popular choice for you know, for, for flight simming and the, the parts that are manufactured, the aftermarket parts for manufacturing are, that's pretty, pretty impressive, I guess. But I, I don't know that the 737 would be my first choice at, at setting up a, a full room simulator. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I don't know what, what, um, what I would do, but I think I would go for something classic, like, like a DC three or something. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't think I've seen a, a company manufacturing uh, DC three sim. But I mean, this a, you you could go you could I mean companies could go massive. You could you could have companies doing all manner of different aircraft, but you, the, the the market would be so flooded with stuff. I think you'd have yeah. too much too much choice. Well, but uh, when I was up in in when I was working and flying a DC three up at Basler Aircraft, they gut out the original all the original parts of the DC threes and build their own, uh, Basler BT 67. And I was walking around their hangar where it's not even a hangar. It's a storage barn, like an actual barn. If you've been to Oshkosh, like the, one of those big red barns, it's just full of airplane parts, which is where I got that, uh, propeller blade. Um, and 
I was just like a kid in a candy store thinking, oh my gosh, I could take all of these parts and make a killer sim at home. It would take so much wiring, but yeah. you could probably do it. And I may have missed it, but Evan, what's what's your setup? What do you uh, mine, mine's really, really actually simple. Um, it's all Logitech and it's the same joystick. I can't quite reach. Mm-hmm. It's a Logitech Attack 3 that I have had for 15 maybe more years um it's just a simple left or right-handed joystick with a few buttons and a a, a little sort of flippy thing for a, a joy a, a um, throttle um but that's yeah that's that's what i started with and then i've added the um the rudder pedals same as uh, carlos's and um the logitech uh throttle quadrant which is just basically, you know, the three little things yeah. for um, uh, power, uh, propeller, and um, mixture. But I, I modified one of the the things. It comes with one that's that's like four together, so you can connect um, several. But I've uh, cut mine in half, so it only takes two. So for the Cirrus, you've only got a power lever and a a mixture uh-huh. that comes off, and so oh, yeah. I've yeah I just um, use those on on my yeah know, I, I wish I wish I could show you but I've I've bolted it to the <laughs> to the what well, is an audio podcast so there is an audio <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah but what would you say would you say then uh, guys that 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 you, if if you are able to make that investment that you'd say that is it would be important to have you know, the, the hardware, the good hardware add-ons that are available? I think it's important to start somewhere. You don't need to buy the, the absolute best to, to get going. Buying a joystick, even if it's a, you know, um, a, a introductory one, uh, in, in pre, in, increases the immersion considerably straight away. And a lot of them have a little throttle thing that you can, so you can start using that. That helps. Um but yeah, having having for me, having the throttle in the correct hand and the 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 joystick in the correct hand um, helps a lot. Um, just for sort of um, practicing uh, approaches and things like that. Yeah, yeah, Mando. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. I think we're 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 uh, going over the cusp now for for VR. I I have flown with VR goggles a couple times now. And actually uh, the the uh, systems integration training, so the sit portion of when I went to the airline was actually done in a simulator with um, X-Plane 11, uh, Pilatus and, uh, sorry, X-Plane 11, a Caronado Pilatus add-on, uh, very basic controls, but then everything was with, uh, with VR goggles. And on, at least on last year's survey, uh, the HTC Reverb G2 was uh, 40% of users that were using VR. And then the Oculus Quest 2 and the Oculus Quest, or sorry, the Oculus Rift, were uh, the Quest was at 25% of users, give or take. And uh, the Oculus Rift was right around 12% of users. So I think when you're talking immersive experiences, and, and Carlos, we've done stories on the show about the Air Force actually going both at the Air Force Academy and uh, Air Force Undergraduate Pilot Training 2.5, uh, 
where they are using uh, VR goggles and essentially X-Plane to get a lot of those maneuvers and that muscle memory that Evan is talking about uh, for a hundred hours before the students step into the real aircraft and it has reduced training times. Um, I forget what the number, but it was, it was significant. It was like 30% when we did that article a couple months ago on the show. Um, so it, I, I, I believe in it. I, you know, I think a lot of people, especially a lot of uh, real world pilots tend to, to, you know, laugh at, at simmers. I, I do believe in it. And, and you can't go wrong if, if, if world air forces and airlines are actually also using these kinds of the same thing that all three of us are using at our home to really develop those, those flows, those uh, emergency action, muscle memory items. Um, but one thing with it that we didn't talk about, which is probably the most uh, expensive part of hardware, Carlos, <laughs> is, the, is the computer. Oh, yes. Right. And there was a revolution in that, well, maybe not a revolution, there was a leap in that with Microsoft 2020, Explain 12. Now we're starting to need some pretty significant graphics processing. Um, so for me, I purposely for Explain 12, I ended up buying an MSI gaming computer um, with a uh, with an i7 processor, two gig processor, which is probably on the low end now of, of gaming computers. And my video card in there is uh, NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3060. So that, that's essentially for, v, for VR, it's the, the lowest one. I think the 1060 had some VR function, but the 3060 is a little bit better. Um, and that's another one. Another uh, graphics cards was actually one of these uh, survey questions. And let me look that up real quick. What What are you guys using for for computers? I'm the same as you, Armando. I've got the MSI Gaming Tower um, with I forget which graphics card is in there now. It's the same, similar one to yours. I think similar brand to yours, Armando, graphics card wise. But it's a uh, it's a I think it's three. 3.1 gigahertz um i7 um processor in here run runs really well i was saying to evan um earlier on um runs really well runs uh explain 12 in nearly nearly full everything turned up to the absolute top end that's the saying to evan the, the biggest issue I, I think with when you start to get the more higher power processors to run things like X-Plane 12 and Microsoft Flight Sim is cooling. Cooling is is key um, because things do get rather warm, as mm. as we all know with PCs. I don't know whether that's an issue you, you have with yours, Armando, when you're um, running things. Well, I, I'm similar to you. I, I bought a gaming tower, so not anymore. And mine actually has liquid cooling. Ah. So... There we go. <laughs> I'm not a gamer. Well, the, the funny part about this is I'm not a gamer <laughs> at all. I don't I have I have no video games. I have, you know, I don't have Call of Duty. I don't have anything else on my computer. It's my computer is literally for podcasting and then flight simming. <laughs> um the uh yeah, so I'm looking at the graphics cards on the survey. Uh for most users, well, 83% of users have an NVIDIA graphics card yeah uh 
there <laughs> I love this answer. 8.4% uh, of users responded with an AMD graphics card. 2.9 had an Intel graphic graphics card and 6.4 of respondents said, I don't know. Um, so that that's, that's, you know, I actually had to look up what I had, but in the survey of the NVIDIA users, the RTX 2080 and 1080 were the most popular ones in 2021. But then as these things evolved, the 3080 uh, had 17% of users, the RTX 3070 at 10%, and on the AMD side of the house, the Radeon 5700 uh, is the most used graphics card. And that's for, you know, mostly M uh, Microsoft 2020 uh, users, um, which I think was a, probably a little bit more graphics intense than X-Plane, but X-Plane 12 is right there along with it. So software-wise, obviously we we use a two-pole. Um, we'll start to hopefully use Microsoft soon, but... Um, but with the two platforms, you can obviously get the stock versions. And like me and Evan were saying earlier, I'm under you with Microsoft Flight Sim. You've got three different options, sort of kind of package options of Microsoft Flight Sim. There's the basic version, the mid-range version. Then there's the top, all singing and dancing version. But obviously software add-ons is, is quite a big thing. And there are a whole heap of companies out there doing software add-ons for both platforms. Um, some better than others. Some you know, some of the good ones are good with a good price for a good reason. But um, is that something for me? I mean, I've downloaded probably most of the UK and some of the US um, patch, you know, add-on software add-ons for various airports and areas. And the UK I've added um, like the Southeast, East and Southeast versions of the, the, um, the you know the ground kind of the trees and all the all kind of geo add-on bits and pieces but is that um something you've invested in heavily with with your guys sims or have you kept it stock with the original uh i'm interested to hear from evan because he lives in a beautiful country so <laughs> i'm interested in the grass i was gonna say pattern, the, yeah. the add-ons for australia must be <laughs> huge yeah. yes there's there's a lot of australia um no uh Talking um, just X-Plane 11, I used to get into all of the extra um, scenery add-ons and all that sort of stuff. Um, but since moving to X-Plane 12, I haven't really played with them much at all. The only thing I have played with is um, a thing called Auto-Ortho, which is a, a system that pulls in tiles from uh, either... Google Maps or Bing Maps or whatever um, to sort of make it similar in like uh, Microsoft Flight Sim 2020, um, where it's, it's using real tiles to lay on the ground. And um, it, it was okay, but it, it's certainly not a, a something that's ready for prime time. Uh, it looked great in the country. The cities looked a little bit... Um, <laughs> um, so I've kept... X-Plane 12, absolutely stock, um, just so I can see the progression as they've improved it over the, the last little while. Um, and I bought my first upgrade to uh, Flight Sim 2020, which was just the um, the Melbourne airport. Um, so, uh, uh, sorry, the Melbourne upgrade, not just Melbourne airport, but yeah. Um, and that's it. That's So I haven't really 
done much in that side of modding um, lately. Mostly it's I've purchased the TorxSim SR20 and SR22s. Um, uh, I bought a little application to get FlightSim 2020 to talk to my um, EFB so I can run it um, on my iPad, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is the similar to your... Um, uh, for flight. What's it called? Yeah, for flight or um, Skydemon. Skydemon, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so there was a little application called XMapsy that uh, acts as a go between between the two. Um, and I used Navigraph to keep the nav data up to date in both sims. So when I go on to uh, the, the ATC systems, I'm using the, the latest waypoints and all that sort of stuff and there's no embarrassments there um but one one little piece of software that i did purchase and uh -huh. it's actually a, you're gonna, this is so good armando if you've not seen this yet i i did not know about this until until evan showed me and it's it is it looks awesome i shall be downloading this yeah yeah so this is uh this this straddles between um software and hardware because you know i'm just using an old ipad um for this person, but it can can be used on another, like a, on a PC or on a, um, a Android tablet or something. But um, this is called uh, what is it called? Air Manager. Um, Air Manager. That's it. And you can put together panels. Um, I put this one together, or you can select other panels, um, and they're touch screen. Look at that. And you can you can have it running on on a device. And I have that down beside or just, just below my screen. So I have a little avionics stack that I can access at any time. Um, so all the, all the basic things that, that even if I look around on screen, I can still access the yeah. uh, autopilot, flaps, parking brake, transponder, and comm stack. So I wrote it down. Air manager. I yeah. like it. I, it I like it. I do like that because SciTech, is it SciTech or Logitech did do the the little hardware add-ons, didn't they, for um, uh, for the displays, which which are really good. They do look really good. I've seen them in action, um, but they are they're not cheap. They're around they're about one hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty pounds. They are to buy yeah, yeah. each, um, but that is that is a really good, really this, good. This is this has really helped my immersion because I have it in a spot that's very close to where it is in the real cockpit. So my, my, you know, sort of flow is similar, mm -hmm. not perfect, but similar. Um, so yeah, uh, shout out to the, those guys. So talk yeah. of, of, of navigation, we're just, just touched on there. Um, Sky Demon for me on, on the Android pad I have, and Armando, I know you use a, a, a is it? Um, I use four flight four flight. That's it. Yeah. But, do they with with Skydemon on on the on the tablet? They do link directly with X Plane. I'm guessing is that the same with with your with yours, Armando? Yeah, Forflight links directly to X Plane 12 and 11 for Microsoft 2020 to run it on Forflight. I actually use a a flight events client. Um, it's just an extra little thing that runs in the background doesn't doesn't intrude on anything. But that's punching uh, or pushing the uh, all of your nav data over to your to your iPad, um, and and you know, kind of like I was alluding to, what I use my SIM for 
um, mostly is for proficiency, but then I fly a lot of the flights that I'm about to go fly in the sim. Uh, I fly them at the speeds that I'm supposed to fly. And so, um, you know, when you're flying uh, SIDs and stars in a jet, there are speed restrictions, altitude restrictions. There are um, a lot of considerations that go into not breaking rules. And for me, I like to get into the FMS and then fly those things with the VNAV functions and the actual speed restrictions and all that. So, um, so I use ForeFlight quite a bit using the FMS. And then as far as uh, like Evan, I use Navigraph to keep all my charts updated. Um, and that I use mostly for um, X-Plane 12. And then we're going to, we're going to talk about realism here in a second, but, uh, but pilot edge. Right. So I don't know what, what ATC uh, simulate or add on you use Evan, but for me, pilot edge was huge for years. And I was one of the early adopters of pilot edge. Uh, yeah, I would love to. I haven't actually dipped my toe into Pilot Edge itself um, because it's a, a an American product. Um, but I use a global product that's a it's more volunteer based, um, and it's called Vatsim. Mm, yeah, so it's yeah. similar similar thing, but just uh, coming at it from a, a volunteer sort of um, you know background. Um, but uh, all of the controllers and everyone that I've sort of come in contact with have treated it like the real thing, followed procedures, you know, done everything. And it's, it was great for me because um, switching my brain when I was training IFR, switching my brain between VFR and IFR brain, I, I struggled with a little bit to, to talk IFR and then to talk VFR when it was appropriate. So you're not alone. That, <laughs> practicing that online when there's a real human being on the other end that you can embarrass yourself <laughs> in front of um but also by the same token it's it's not the end of the world if you do you know um say something a little bit silly you know you can fix it and move on and stuff and um that helped me a lot so i really um really enjoy using vatsim yeah, and that's what I've heard is is uh, VATSIM is a, a little bit more forgiving than Pilot Edge. Uh, now, last year on the show, we had a representative from Pilot Edge uh, on PTUK talking about SimVenture, right? Mm. And the arrival into Oshkosh, the Fisk arrival into Oshkosh, or the the notice is important. And and I was actually listening to Opposing Bases. Uh, and their show last week with one of the um, Oshkosh controllers, Bravo Kilo. And they're talking about how most pilots, 95% uh, of pilots read it, then they read it again, then they read it again, they then read it again. You know, it's 16 pages or something like that. And then they practice it and then they practice it and then they practice it at home. They practice uh, flying their aircraft at 90 knots, right? For me in the Cub, I'm full throttle at 90 knots. For Evan, <laughs> flying to Sirius at 90 knots, actually kind of challenging, right? <laughs> um, so you're trying to intermingle all this traffic. And uh, they were, you know, BK was talking about how most pilots uh, really, really 
practice. And then SimVenture, which is something put on by Pilot Edge, allows you in a non-threatening environment to uh, to practice the the full arrival into Oshkosh VFR with now with things like uh, X Plane Twelves, the the Ortho. What is it? What was it? Ortho tile? Ortho? Uh, auto ortho or auto yeah, ortho? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. But really, kind of like you were saying, in Microsoft 2020, you don't need any of that. It's so accurate to probably a you know a three meter uh, visual uh, level acuity level or or accuracy three meter visual accuracy where you can actually fly the full arrival. And this year they extended the, the Oshkosh arrival way out. Now there's three VFR points or GPS points and VFR points all the way out to Green Lake. But these sims are so accurate at, at reproducing the shoreline and this building and the gravel pit and this six lane highway that with Pilot Edge and SimVenture, you can, you can fly this a dozen times with an actual controller saying, you know, hey, uh, blue and white, low wing, Cirrus, uh, rock your wings, you know, good rock, because they can see it on their screen, on the controller screen. Um, and then and then practice, you know, your down, your downwind and your base leg to whatever runway. Um, so it's just a it's just a great way to to, you know, some of these add-ons take it next level realism for an instrument student uh, or an instrument pilot. Uh, Pilot Edge is is a huge and and again we're not being sponsored by Pilot Edge or anything like that but being able to get into your virtual cockpit and get that clearance which is one of the hardest parts right and get a departure and fly in the in the instrument airspace world um, you know and if you do get something wrong they'll gently correct you uh, as opposed to doing it and real world where you don't want to get it wrong and then possibly get a pilot deviation. But it's also the, the uh, work, the workload and work cycles that you have to go through. Um, and when you add in as well as operating the aircraft, the communications to it, it, it ups the, ups the ante in terms of how much your brain has to be ahead of the aircraft. Yeah, for sure. So, what we're going to move on to next, Armando. Have you got uh, another subject to talk about on the sim world? Um, well, well, one of the things for me that um, I want to just talk, my personal experience was it's helped me immensely. Mm. When I lived in the UK, I started as a fun flyer on the on simulator, Microsoft Flight Simulator. But Carlos, this actually may surprise you, but we didn't fly a whole lot in the UK uh, instrument because everything was so controlled. It was this weird mix of like VFR, but talking to the military controllers. Uh, we didn't really fly in the in the UK airspace system under instrument flight rules because we were always being managed by London military or Scottish military control. Um, for me, I, since I knew I was at the, at the in the sunset of my career, I really wanted to keep up on instrument procedures back here in the US. So when I was over there in the UK and my family was here in the US, so I could I could get off of work at get home at five in the afternoon, grab some dinner, and then I would be on a simulator from seven to ten or eleven PM. And for me it was instrument proficiency. 
that's one thing that's always been fun to me. I've, I've, in, I've always enjoyed instrument flying, the challenge of it, uh, the challenge of, of navigating a, a aluminum tube around the skies and then ending up where you're supposed to be on a, you know, final approach fixers or a missed approach point, you know, and seeing the runway lights, that's, that's huge. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like popping a pimple. It just feels great. <laughs> um, the, uh, so for me, a lot of my flying was instrument flying, uh, instrument proficiency when I was over there in the UK and X-Plane 11 was, was uh, more than enough for that. But then when I started transitioning into these, these new airplanes, uh, they're just so, there's so much realism that you're really, really able to get ahead of your peers when you go to training, especially, especially your, your older uh, colleagues, you know, so all three of us are relatively young. Um, especially in corporate flying, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks in their, you know, in their sixties and maybe even their seventies. So with us tech savvy, um, individuals, you can really get on a simulator with some of these add-ons that we've talked about and really get a step ahead. Cause that's not a, that's not a situation where that you want to mess up. You don't want to get behind on class. Um, it costs a lot of money, you know, type rating, my Hawker type rating was, close to $60,000. So that's, it's not a situation. I didn't pay for that, by the, by the way, the company pays for it, but you know, some of the Gulfstream type ratings are upwards of 80 and $90,000. And this is just a great way to show up ready and prepared. If you, if you mix this with getting into the books uh, or, or if you're at the, at the beginning of your career, like Evan is talking about, really get those instrument procedures when I was uh, um, on the hiring team for my airline, that was, I would say, my number one um, weakness that I would identify in, in pilot candidates was instrument knowledge, instrument knowledge and instrument uh, general knowledge and procedures, uh, even things like reading a chart. So simulators are a great way if you're about to go interview for a job to get immerse yourself, fly uh, know the difference between uh, decision height and an MDA, a minimum decision altitude, fly missed approaches, um, because a lot of the companies will put you into a simulator uh, as part of your job interview. You know, when you're talking about small cargo carriers or part 135 operators here, you're probably going to find yourself on Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 with some basic peripherals, and it's going to be part of your job interview to see how you can fly uh, an instrument departure, uh, an arrival, an approach, and a missed approach. And if it's a multi-engine aircraft, they're probably going to want you to do um, a single-engine missed approach. Uh, even 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 on a PC in a conference room, they're able to see the pilot candidates' uh, flows and their ability to manage both comms and systems. It's exactly what Evan's talking about, where it could be the difference between um, you getting the job and somebody else getting the job, your your familiarity and your comfort with a flight simulator. You know, saying about um, how that helps with learning, well, you know, with flying, using a sim and stuff. I'll, t- I'll tell you what is a big help is I struggled for a while with learning how to program the FMS system on the on the seven three it's quite you know it's not as easy just punching the food buttons and and everything does it for you you have to 
put stuff in correctly. One of the greatest things I found help wise was was um, instructional videos on YouTube. There are quite a few really serious simmers who have some great videos on there, uh, which teach you in quite in depth detail how to to use the various systems on on say the you know the um, Microsoft Flight Sim um, aircraft and also the seven three on on X plane. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred hundred percent. Mm. How long did it take you to figure out that you have to close the flight plan before you can put in? <laughs> I probably it probably took you a couple of weeks to figure out <laughs> or, or Googling like, oh, I got to close the flight. What does closed flight plan mean? Because <laughs> it won't let you put in a uh, an arrival or an instrument approach if you haven't closed the flight plan. That's a that that all all big jet FMSs are, are pretty much the same until you get into the Garmin G three thousand G five thousand automation. Um, you, you got to close the flight plan. Most people don't know that. You wouldn't know that un unless you've gone to training in the airplane. <laughs> so actually, actually, on that note, with you, with both you guys, obviously using the Garmin systems, because I think, what's the system on the PC-12 you use? Is it, is it uh, Garmin? It's, so the legacy PC-12s have mostly moved to a Garmin uh, GTN650, GTN750 combination. Uh, those are easily are readily available for the flight sims. The uh, the newer PC-12s is a Honeywell Primus oh, yeah. uh, Apex system, which uh, I believe Carinato is working on an NG PC-12. Um, but for me, it's the, in the jet, it's the Honeywell Proline 21 system, which there's no Hawker add-on yet. There was a company that was working on one. I think they put it on the back burner. So for me, I actually fly as the, the stock Citation CJ4 on Microsoft 2020, and it's about the same speed, size, and uh, buttonology as the, the Hawker jet. But the the Cirrus perspective, uh, again, it's it's essentially a Garmin G1000 system. So how have you discovered the similarities? Have, you know, good habits, bad habits? Oh, they're, they're pretty good. Um but most of my flying is actually with a, a previous system to that uh, with the um, uh, Garmin 430. Oh, wow. And <laughs> yeah, so um, it's actually, for me, it was using those those old GPS units, but they, they still work, they still go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the Avidyne uh, uh, PFD and MFD. So um so yeah, that that's most of my time. Uh, IFR has been in that setup. So um, yeah, getting a good version of the Garmin four hundred and thirty was important to me. How accurate are they, guys? Though to the to the real thing, you know, you obviously with the Garmin setup with the the SR twenty two and the the SR twenty two sim on X plane. Say, are they? Is the functionality there to the to the real yeah. thing? It, yeah. it, it's pre it's pretty close it's pretty close mm. these days yeah uh the one the standard one in uh explain uh, sorry flight sim 2020 is a little bit cut down um it, it mm. has the basics but none of the special features um but yeah if you if you get an aftermarket one like um talks in make um there's they get into more of the vnav stuff and mm -hmm. um some some of the more sort of in-depth features of the uh, the Garmin suite. 
What about you, Armando? Are they very well set up with the system you use? Uh, yeah. Again, it's kind of 90% there. Um, it's funny that Evan says the VNAV function. The VNAV function is is another area that um, it's probably the, the the one of the weakest. So in this survey also, they they uh, tried to figure out what what the uh, sim pilots struggled with most as opposed to real pilots using a sim and they said the 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 top areas that simmers only struggled with was weight and balance radio communications power versus economy crews right because oh um flight sim brief that's another that's another add-on that's really good for you, Carlos, find a 737, right? Because it, it actually spits out power settings. It spits out economy numbers. Um, you can fly Ryanair uh, economy, or you can fly Southwest Airlines economy, which is like firewall forward. Um, <laughs> uh, so those are the top three. And then and then the second set of areas that, that sim pilots identified as weaknesses were slow flight, control wheel steering, which is a you know, that's, that's a pretty hidden yeah. function, uh, descent planning, and then VNAV, VNAV, uh, that is often a weak area for real world pilots also is how to set up your aircraft for the appropriate VNAV to the point where we actually have cheat sheets, even on, on the real airplane, we have cheat sheets on what approach you're doing. If you're doing a a localizer approach, then this is how you need to set up your VNAV. If you're doing a GPS LPV approach, it's one way. If you're using a GPS LNAV approach, then it's a different way, right? Now you're using vertical speed. If you're doing step downs uh, or if you're doing a straight ILS, then how do you set, you know, you're just in approach mode. All of these things are important to know, if, especially if you don't fly regularly in IFR uh, when you get into your real airplane. Um, so you don't one bust an altitude or two actually you know hit something on the ground take a, a look at pricing um going back to obviously what we've all spent or not what we've all spent but if you were starting fresh now and you had to i mean obviously because evan you're in the, in australia i'm under you in the us i'm here in the uk if if you were sort of take a ballpoint figure a sort of a rough guesstimate now if you're going to go out now buy the pc to 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 be able to to run these platforms at pretty much their full spec the software that you'd like plus the hardware add-ons the basic sort of hardware add-ons good you know good ones good quality add-ons you know hardware add-ons that you go where 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 would you say you're looking at price wise to 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 build a, a good home sim setup well, I built mine to be the best bang for my buck. I, I didn't go for the best of anything. Everything I got was like researched and got um, was, was good, but not too good. So the dollars weren't high. And I was purchasing my graphics card still when the, the, um, the graphics card prices were still crazy and people were still mining with them and all that sort of stuff. So um, mine is only a, uh, RTX 2060, um, so it's not not you know up there. It's but it it gets the job done. A Ryzen 5 CPU, um, and 
you know, old or well-loved um, hardware. Um, so I'd probably, if I did it again, I'd probably up the um, the the graphics. Probably the graphics card. Yeah. Maybe uh, I, I I'm impressed with the forty seventy um, in terms of how it, how what it can handle, but also its power draw is quite low. Mm. So one day I might upgrade to that. But um, um, yeah, for the moment, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> Um, I'm toasting, so uh, I wouldn't actually want to spend more than say uh, two thousand Australian dollars to get something. You could buy a fire-breathing gaming machine and spend four grand on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what would that? Let's see. I I I also don't want to take away from the play money to actually go and fly the real aircraft. So it's a balancing act <laughs> for me. How about you? And you, obviously, Amanda, you've just recently, pretty much recently, upgraded your your tower, and uh, you've brought some various bits of hardware. But what what would yeah, you say? I might, would... I might plead the fifth on this one because Meg actually does listen to the show uh, every once in a while. <laughs> so um, I don't know. You can go online and figure out how much a MSI gaming computer, the Thrustmaster, and the Honeycomb Bravo. Um, I you know I, I'm probably right there at at 3000 also um all said and done That's, yeah i'm sticking to that story yeah i mean it's it's relatively the same here to be fair it and it all it does boil down to exactly how much realism you want you know you don't have to spend 800 you know nearly 900 pounds on a on a throttle quadrant for a 737 like that and the MCP panels now, I've noticed in the last two months, the MCP panels from the, there's two or three companies who make them now. The prices have gone through the roof. You know, the, some of the retail values now on these MCP panels are in and around 400, 500 pounds, which whatever that is in US and Australian dollars, but it's it's phenomenally expensive. But I tell you, for, 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 Bang for buck, as you say, you can't beat the Cytec stuff. You know, the, the original Cytec, you know, control yoke instrument uh, switch panel and stuff like that. They're, they're good quality. They last forever. And the one thing I will say as well on the on the subject of pricing, if you guys have noticed, you know, obviously since lockdown and, all, and the, the COVID thing, and now we're obviously back getting back to normal now, as we all are, hopefully. Um, but the, the the secondhand resale prices now for sim equipment has has gone through the roof, you know, and and stuff is selling. You know, if you if I was to to, to put these onto eBay now, say for for instance to sell, I'd, I'd I would probably guess I'd get my money back on everything and then some because people are buying this stuff yeah really really i don't i don't know what the what the kind of the um home simming is like in the us and australia but i know here in the uk it's quite a um a, a big market for home simming um so i, I don't want I, I want to talk about the 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 entry level pricing um if i were to do it again and again, without without going full peripherals and everything, 
and HP Reverb G2 uh, VR set is about 500 bucks on Amazon. And I would, I would go for a good enough laptop that has an NVIDIA uh, GeForce 2000, 3000 series graphics card. I would go for the VR goggles at 500 bucks and that Yaman Arrow uh, controller. I would go for that. Um, that's the one thing that I, I kind of wish my setup was a little bit more portable and that um, I, sh my office, I share with my wife. Um, so sometimes I, I want to like sim and she's in here working and I wish I could just kind of go anywhere in the house, throw some VR goggles and headphones on, or we travel a lot. Sometimes I'm sitting for a week next week. I, I leave on Monday on a trip and then I, you know, sit till Sunday. Right. So it's a six day trip. Well, I kind of wish I had a sim set up because mm. that's how that's how I spend my time. I listen to podcasts and then I like to to sim to just kind of turn my mind off. Um, so if I were to do it again, I think I would go with a, a good enough laptop, a VR goggle set, and the Yaman Arrow, um, which I, th I think we're going to have him on the show to talk about that piece of equipment. But um, yeah, uh, that, that's probably what I would go. And you can do all of that for under 2000 with a with a good enough laptop now looking um, i was carrying on, sorry uh i want to go back to one thing that you said carlos about where is this most popular uh i'm going to go back to the navigraph survey believe it or not the most popular country for flight simming was Nor norway oh in order the top five were norway New Zealand, Switzerland, the Netherlands, and the UK. There wow. you go. A little surprising, but uh, those that's from uh, uh, from the last year's survey, uh, and that's per capita enthusiasts per capita. I would never have said that, but you, you haven't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that at all. Yeah, so I mean, next time you guys find yourself in Norway, you have a great chance <laughs> of, of striking up a conversation about with flight a, simming with anybody at a random restaurant. Is, is it a big thing in the, in Australia, Evan, sim, uh, flight simming? Is there a, are, are there a lot of people you know who um, do the whole home sim? Um, I would, wouldn't say it's a, a big thing. What I would say is that, um, to their credit, Microsoft Flight Simulator when they relaunched in 2020, did open uh, up to a lot more people that, than they wouldn't have. Like gamers were interested in it and, and you know, just, just general people that were uh, interested in aviation but not in aviation themselves. Um, so they did open up the, um, the opportunities for many, many more people. Hmm. So before we start to wrap things up, I take it you guys heard in the news not so uh, long ago that uh, Microsoft are looking at uh, a Microsoft Flight Sim 2024. Mm, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. What? Um, so looking ahead to the future, then what? What are you guys, as both professional pilots, what are you guys hoping to see from from the new iteration of uh, Flight Sim? Wow, that's uh, I mean, 
you can't you can't really get <laughs> much better than flights in 2020 um aircraft or more aircraft options possibly yeah as long as it's backwards compatible which i'm sure they will make it uh backwards compatible with all the other stuff all the add-ons we've already bought um i guess for me i i mean i think the graphics are are there they're pretty good uh i would love some improvements in flight models uh but but again that you know and and Carlos, you're sitting here talking to us. Um, only 27% on the survey of flight simmers had any sort of actual pilot's license. Um, 9% had a pre, uh, private pilots. Um, and there were actually very few professional pilots that actually do flight simming. It's under 5%. Oh, wow. So... I think looking to the future, you're going to have to probably cater to the enthusiast that is much more into those uh, high-end functions like the graphics, the the functionality. You probably, you know, if I was Microsoft or, or Laminar, I would I would cater to the thing that people are looking for the most, which is probably graphics, not functionality. Evan. Ooh, what what would you like to see? I mean, for me, I'd like to see more more aircraft types on on the you know on the initial package that you purchase. Yeah, no, I'd like to see um, a little bit more in depth with avionics stuff. Um, you know, just fill out some of those features a little more. Um, I think they're going to really go heavily on the scenario based. Um, things so you know you saw sling loads for helicopters and mm. rescue uh, fire bombing um, all sorts of things so that that's really interesting um, but I don't think it's going to change the way I use it at the moment um, one thing that Microsoft did do for me was get me back into fun flying just flying around VFR looking at stuff going places that I'd never been before um, there's a few um, little flying safaris that I flew around the, you know, the Alpine area in, in Australia. Um, I've, yeah, that was great. Good fun. Yeah. So I didn't do that previously on, on other sims. So this sim has allowed that. So maybe some more of that kind of stuff take me to interesting places and um, see it as close as it is to reality. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I think uh, uh, one of my like life bucket list items is to go to Australia, New Zealand, and they do um, they advertise them on like AOPA. But you can do a, a, a basically a flying vacation where you where you land and you rent an airplane with an instructor, a local instructor, and then you go fly. I I would love to go to Australia and New Zealand, and I'm not just saying this because Evan's on the show, but it is, it is, um, I've flown in Africa, I've flown all over Europe, I've flown in the Middle East, all over the US, um, the kind of the last thing on my bucket list, oh, and I've, and I grew up in, in the Caribbean, so I've, I, my dad and I used to island hop, um, so I've, I've seen St. Bart's and St. Kitts and St. Thomas and the clear blue waters, the last thing left on my, uh, I guess there's two, I've never flown Alaska, so Alaska bush flying, and um and australia new zealand flying vacations and both of those are things that i can do pretty accurately on the sim um before i actually get there mm. oh yeah 
Yeah. I've flown around uh, New Zealand in Flight Simulator 2020. It looks stunning. Yeah. Carlos, when you and I went to the Flying Horseman uh, flying. Oh, yeah. Um, the Flying Horseman 2020. Uh, we, I actually flew that no less than a dozen times. I, I flew not not just the flight, but that approach into that yeah. grass strip. And in, in Microsoft 2020, the terrain, the elevation data is so accurate that I was able to spot the barn, spot the uh, tree line. The tree line, the landings were, uh, you know, working speed, see what it's going to look like from different directions um, that combined with with my foreflight. And I felt like when you and I landed in there that I had already seen it, uh, mm. you know, at least a dozen times. So it was no surprise as to what it actually looked like. I think that's one of the most important takeaways that, that we can say about flight swimming is that it opens up the world to, to people who might not ever or might possibly get the chance to see certain areas of the world. And now with Microsoft Flight Sim 2020 being as, as good as it is with the visuals and stuff now, you know, it, it does give people the opportunity to, to fly in places where they might never, ever get the chance to see and in, in, in great detail as well. Absolutely. Mm. So there we go. We've had a we've had a good chat and discussion about flight simming. I think the thing we can all say is that we all thoroughly enjoy uh, flying from uh, the seats at home, our seats at home. And one of the other important things that um, we didn't touch on, actually, just thinking about seats, is is having a good support and seat when you're doing flight simming at home. Because you know, like me and Evan were saying earlier. Um, Armando, that when you're using the flight sim, and I know Evans the same as me, you do stuff in real time. You don't speed things up. There's no, you know, times three, times four, times five in this flight. You know, if I fly a flight from from Stansted to Malta, it's a three hour flight, and it's a three hour flight in a sim. It's as simple as that. You know, and to have to sit somewhere for three hours is, you know, if you've got an uncomfortable chair. It's, it's not a great experience. So I think comfort is another one of those things that if you're going to do home simming is to have a good, well-supporting uh, chair. Would you agree, guys? I won't show you my chair then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, mine's, mine's just an Ikea, a basic Ikea chair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. He's a trooper. Evan is uh, Evan is sporting. For those of you listening on the audio podcast, Evan is sporting uh, what can only be described as a, a a very good chair for um um taking to an air show yeah, for, a temp- for a temporary seating. Yeah, yeah, it's a little little folding chair because when I first built the sim, I I had a, a leg injury and I couldn't carry much stuff, so it needed to be lightweight. So it's what I could carry upstairs, and um, I'm still using it. Yeah. <laughs> I like his commit. I like Evan's commitment to his original <laughs> setup, right? A ten, a ten-year-old joystick and some throttle and yeah. a fold-out. That's commitment, and that's and that's coming from somebody who just spent eight and a half hours in a Pilatus seat, which is not that comfortable. My so, word! But that was, um, long, that was a long flight. On that note, then, guys, we're going to uh, wrap up the show. I'm going to say a big thanks to Evan for joining us um, uh, on the show for this flight sim special, Evan. It's been great to talk to you. It's been great to hear your your insight into into the world of flight sim and what uh, what you think of it. So thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. 
And Armando, thank you for joining us as well. I know it's incredibly early where you are, and you've probably not even had breakfast yet, I'm guessing. I haven't. And I and I just got back last night from a trip. But Evan, like Carla said, it's so nice to see your face. And uh, if you're listening to the audio version, come over to YouTube and and check out the video because uh, yeah, we like. I I think we've been wanting to do this for a while. It's a, we have it's, yeah yeah. And uh, hopefully, if you're if it's not your usual cup of tea, then uh, maybe we we have introduced some people to the world of flight simming. So exactly. Yeah. Thanks for and- uh, letting me be on here. If anyone has any questions or anything, um, if they want to send some um, email to you and you can pass it on or whatever, or look me up on social medias, um, I'm happy to help wherever I can. Or find you in the chat room on a Friday evening. Some Sometimes, yes. obviously, the, the time difference can be challenging for you to join us in the chat room on a Friday night. In, in our summertime, it's a little better. <laughs> <laughs> little being the uh the word there but no thanks uh thanks guys for joining us for the special and uh yeah have uh have a great uh, rest of the weekend whatever you're up to so that's it from the flight sim special plane talking uk flight sim special uh have a great weekend thanks guys for joining us again and uh say goodbye <laughs>